HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Levo. Simple, potent, at-home herbal infusions at the push of a button. Learn more at levooil.com and feed your enthusiasm. That's L-E-V-O-O-I-L dot com. This week on Meet and 3, we're looking at things that have changed and things that are still in flux. From mothers balancing new lifestyles to the social stigma surrounding pumpkin spice. You got rid of the star rating system and talked about, like, I'm not going to use the word ethnic when I talk about food. They recognized that safety was our motivation, and, and they were very you know, receptive to the changes, understanding what we were trying to accomplish. A cupcake or a piece of bacon or a glass of rosé is not inherently gendered. Tune in to Meet and 3 HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Mike Schreiber. Welcome to The Shameless Chef, the show that takes us back in time to home kitchens in the 1970s, but still has a lot to teach us today. I developed this show with Michael Davenport in 1977. He was the original host of The Shameless Chef, and he shared his fearless attitudes towards food and encouraged home cooks to have fun and take some risks in the kitchen. I'm excited to keep this legacy alive and share The Shameless Chef with you on Heritage Radio Network. Today, I'm sharing Michael's idea for using familiar ingredients in a new way. From lemons to dates, onions, and even vinegar, there are lots of ideas to add some more zest to your next meal, and even tips on how to clean up your kitchen afterwards. This may be an idea that you've already tried, but recently, I put raw almonds into pitted dates with bacon wrapped around them. We had a gathering of friends, and our hostess enlisted everyone to bring a recipe that she would award a prize to. Well, my pitted dates with stuffed almonds and bacon was the winner. As I was puffing my chest and accepting my $10 coupon at Chipotle, my wife reminded me that she's been using the same recipe with a previous spouse, unfortunately, for years. Fortunately, the reminder was very gentle, And the real reason I was sharing this was because that's the essence of The Shameless Chef. Try new stuff, at least new to you. Sing ho for the lovely lemon. It improves the flavor of nearly everything. It's great as ice cream, pie, or pudding. It takes the place of fire for cooking. It's even a first aid for burns in the kitchen. This is The Shameless Chef. Lemonade, anyone?
The topic for today is the lemon. Let me state at the outset that I'm not on the payola for any group of citrus fruit growers. I happen to like the lemon, and I'd like to share my enthusiasm with you. You know all about lemon pudding, lemon sherbet, lemon pie, lemon cake, and such, don't you? There's no need for going into all that. But have you ever made steak piccate? It's traditionally done with veal, but you can do it with any thin cutlet of meat from veal to chicken. Simply saute the meat lightly and quickly in a mixture of oil and butter. Then at just about done, add generous squeezings of lemon juice. Piquant, therefore piccate. Lemon is nearly always served with fish, and in the better restaurants, it's a half lemon wrapped in cheesecloth. Very classy. Nice thing to do at home, too. And did you know that lemon juice will actually cook fish? True. The Scandinavians have done it for centuries, and so have the Japanese. I'll write the station if you want the complete recipe. Lemon improves the flavor of any green vegetable I can think of, including naturally salad greens. I even include lemon peel in my magical flavor mixture, but more of that someday. Lemons, lots of lemons arranged in a bowl make a beautiful centerpiece. Oh, and just to dispel that cliffhanger, fresh lemon juice on a burn is the best first aid I know, uh, but not on cuts. Michael A. Davenport here. Ciao. On cuts? Consider for a moment the royal onion. Bermuda, Spanish, Shasta, Lodi, I don't care. If you think the onion is something that goes on a hamburger sliced or with liver fried, this is the shameless chef, and have I got news for you, onion-wise. There have been fabulous claims made for onions, everything from curing diseases to creating new beauty, but I think of them as something delicious to eat and just that. I'm talking about the round, handful-size onions, be they small and white or big as a softball and bright red. And there are other ways to cook them besides frying. I like onions roasted in the embers, for example. Wrap medium-sized onions in foil and put them at the side of the burning embers in your charcoal broiler. They cook in about 30 minutes. You can test them for doneness by piercing them with a fork right through the foil. Or how about onion pie with almonds? Cook the onions in white sauce. Combine with a couple of beaten eggs, put them in a pie crust, sprinkle with almonds, and bake them in a medium oven some 30 minutes until the top is browned. Mm. The ever-popular quiche is nothing more than just onion pie. (laughs) My friend Peggy ate at most every good restaurant in Washington, D.C., and came up with the definitive quiche recipe. I'll send you a variation if you write me here at the station. Now, you can boil small onions, sometimes called pearl onions, and make a cream sauce with milk, a little flour, some butter, and combine it with the onions. A touch of nutmeg, by the way, is magical. Or you can bake onions in either cream or sour cream with the same flavorings, butter, salt, pepper, nutmeg. A little further out, onion shortcake. You take the creamed onion creation and combine it with fresh biscuits, either baked along with the onions or serve the creamed onions over brown, crispy biscuits, just like you would gravy. Another time, I'll go into all the members of the onion family and various ways to cook them, but for the nonce, permit me one small jest. That shameless chef, you might say he knows his onions. Davenport here. Ooh. We'll be right back after a short break. 
This episode is brought to you by Levo, the world's most intelligent at-home infuser. It's super easy to use to make infusions for cooking, candies, cosmetics, and herbal medicines. When the box showed up, I was excited to try it out as I've heard good things about the machine. It looks like a space-age coffee maker on the counter, and having it out makes me want to infuse everything. I've got plans for the hot peppers on my counter and the sage I picked from the garden before the first freeze last week, along with some other choice herbs and spices. I think everyone on my list is going to get infused oils this year. So far, I've used it for cannabis, basil, and orange peel-infused oils and butter. The machine even has dry and activate functions for the highest potency and stability in your infusions, and you can connect through Wi-Fi to track your progress and record your recipes and share with the Levo community. Learn more at levooil.com. That's L-E-V-O-O-I-L.com. And now, more stories from The Shameless Chef. What do you think of dates? Okay, it's a dumb question. Not the kind that means going out on the town, having dinner, or arranging carnal indulgence. I mean dates as in fruit, not as in calendars. This is The Shameless Chef. Today I have a, a date with you. Dates are one of the happiest imports from the East that we can boast of in this country. The date's an incredibly versatile fruit, and yet we usually think of it as being the necessary ingredient in date nut bread. And something that gets sticky at Christmas time and is usually made into tatty little homemade candies. But I have a few suggestions of ways you can prepare dates that will come as a surprise to you. When you drive through the desert around Palm Springs, California, you'll encounter many and many a date farm. In addition to growing dates, they sell them in every form imaginable. Date bread, date ice cream, date sugar, date taffy, date butter, and um, just plain dates. Consequently, most of us think of dates as sticky candy confections. Well, forget it. Think about this. Stuff dates with sharp cheddar cheese and serve them along with dessert coffee. Or serve them as hors d'oeuvres as well. Don't sneer till you've tried them. Here's another canapé idea. Stuff dates with green olives, wrap them with slices of bacon, and broil them until the bacon is done. It's a variation on the remake hors d'oeuvre. And that should blow a few minds. Another variation. Stuff dates with sausage meat. To address myself to palate clichés for a moment, you think of something sweet as being a confection to be eaten as such, like marshmallows. And yet, marshmallows belong somehow with sweet potatoes, don't they? The same is true of dates. Combine them with a savory or a sour flavor, and they take on a whole new dimension. I dare you. Serve dates with green olives and bacon and see what people say about them. You'll be surprised, pleasantly, like uh, peanut butter and horseradish. This is Michael A. Davenport, called uh, The Shameless Chef, probably with good reason. Salute. Fruit Soup. Some programs back, I promised to tell you about fruit soup. Even before I had a chance to put paper to typewriter or voice to microphone, the letters have dribbled in. Some announcing me as mad, which I knew already. After all, I am the shameless chef. And others hearken back to childhood and wondrous concoctions like raisin soup. But for all, here then, fruit soup. I don't know why I connect fruit soup with the Scandinavian countries. Perhaps it's because I first encountered them in the wondrous, fragrant kitchen of one Mrs. Bjorgstrom in a little town outside Tacoma, Washington, called Puyallup. 
The air was redolent with the scents of apples and cinnamon and nutmeg and such. And I asked Mrs. Bjornsson if she was making applesauce. No, she announced, apple soup. And indeed, that's what we had for lunch on that rainy, stormy day in Washington. And I was hooked. Nostalgia aside, there are numerous recipes for fruit soup. And if you sort of think of it this way, it's simple. Fruit soup is nothing more than fruit sauce, less sweetened than usual. You make fruit soup like any other soup. Instead of vegetables and meat, you simmer the fruit of your choice, along with suitable flavorings. The fruit soup can be served either cold or hot, either creamed or not. If you're making creamed fruit soup, simmer the fruit and the flavorings until the flavors are fully distributed. At the last moment, add cream, into which you've beaten an egg yolk or so. As soon as the soup begins to bubble and thicken, take it off the heat and serve it, and that's the basic idea. Now, here are some recipes for fruit soup. As I said, you can serve them either hot or cold, creamed or not. How about um, apples with cinnamon, nutmeg, and allspice? Cherries, canned or fresh, adding a liberal douse of red wine just before serving. Apricots, dried or fresh, with almonds, either the nuts themselves or almond flavoring. I, I use almond liqueur. Melon soup is particularly wondrous on hot days, served cold with a dollop of sour cream. You can also use fruit as, as a garnish for just everyday soup. Uh, hey, try these. Beef consomme with red wine and uh, cherries. Chicken soup, creamed or clear, with curry powder and apples. Clear soup, but beef or chicken, served with lemon or lime juice and a slice for garnish. So there you have the craziness for this week, fruit soup. Go on, make up your own. Michael A. Davenport here. Bon appétit. Right there on your kitchen shelf is a little miracle worker. You can use it for making salad dressing, for cleaning copper pots, for boiling eggs without their cracking. You can even use it as a window washer and a fabric softener. This is the shameless chef, and what am I talking about? <laughs> Vinegar, that's what. Let's get academic for a moment. Vinegar is nothing more than what the name implies. Vin, wine, aigre, sour, sour wine. Uh, that's what happens to uncorked wine at room temperature. It turns to vinegar. And sometimes it happens in the wine cellars of restaurants if you're not careful. You can make your own vinegar out of sour wine at home if you want to, but why bother unless you've never graduated from your junior chemistry set? Vinegar is readily available, it's cheap, and it's so handy for things other than delicious cooking. The best vinegar for salads and for cooking things of delicacy would be wine vinegar, either white or red. Any good salad dressing or sauce vinaigrette must be made of wine vinegar. It can be flavored with garlic, tarragon, or strange things like fennel, if you wish. But the all-purpose vinegar usually seen on your grocer's shelf is cider vinegar. Some is amber-colored, some clear, but the flavor is the same. For either, the price is modest. I buy it by the half-gallon because I use that much. Cooking sweet and sour to acidulate water that eggs are cooked in, it keeps them from cracking. Uh, I use it to perk up the flavor of things like stew and chili and spaghetti sauce. But you can use vinegar other... Vinegar is still the best thing to use for cleaning windows, patented products notwithstanding. You can dampen the bottom of a copper pot with vinegar, sprinkle it with salt, and bring the copper to a bright polish. When you wash out anything that's delicate enough to require hand washing, use vinegar in the last rinse. It's a superior fabric softener. Oh, don't worry, it doesn't leave any scent on your clothes. Vinegar can even be used as a hair rinse. Now, there are two legendary uses of vinegar that I've always wondered about. Remember Jack and Jill? Jack fell down and broke his crown, his head. They put it together with vinegar and brown paper, and I wonder about that sometimes. 
Southern Bells used to speak of a vinegar poultice as a beauty treatment, and I wonder about that, too. Uh, but then, <laughs> Michael A. Davenport here, a, a sourpuss. Please, subscribe to The Shameless Chef wherever you get your podcasts. The voice you heard throughout this episode was Michael Davenport, the host of The Shameless Chef, who unfortunately passed in 1985, but lived a truly vibrant life. The Shameless Chef is produced by Dylan Hoyer and me, Mike Schreiber, with podcast development and additional production by Kat Johnson. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. The original theme song for The Shameless Chef was composed by Chip Davis. Armin Spengen composed the theme music for this podcast. The Shameless Chef is powered by Simplecast. The Shameless Chef is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.org.